Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about our friends at The Empanadas Box. The Empanadas Box is a small, family-owned restaurant owned by natives of Buenos Aires, Argentina. They have Argentine-style empanadas with 22 globally-inspired flavors available every single day. Looking for a suggestion? In October, they have the chicken pot pie empanada filled with braised chicken, onion, carrots, peas, and a creamy bechamel sauce. Just perfect for fall. Their empanadas are available for dine-in and carry-out, but the pro move here is actually to get a box of frozen empanadas to take home, and you can find the empanadas box in your favorite food delivery apps. Check them out online at theempanadasbox.com for more information, including catering options for lunches, parties, and more. And as a special offer to listeners to the podcast, they are offering 10% off at their Covington, Kentucky location if you mention the Post Cincy podcast at checkout. They're located at 212 West Pike Street in Covington, and I am very happy to report that the staff there are incredibly nice and the food is just fantastic. Thank you again to the Empanadas Box for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And on this episode, well, we have a fantastic lineup for you here in part one. It's a little soccer blog book club looking at a, uh, let's say, controversial uh, article that came out in The Athletic this week. And we do our best to dance around a certain name. And I do mean... We do our best. In part two, we are actually joined by content creator, YouTuber Jake Barford. You saw him pull the sword before the match against the New York Red Bulls. Well, we sat down with Jake to learn a little bit more about his his following, his content, what he does, and everything else that goes into being a YouTuber these days. And then in part three, it's a little in the 11, out of the 18, little classic throwback, and that will be your postcast. When joining me to talk about all of that and more are two gentlemen who are also on international break. I don't know what that means for us individually, boys, but uh, we are on international break. Chief, how does it feel to be on international break? I feel like we just got off international break. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Somebody said earlier this year, and I think it's absolutely true, that it feels like there have been three MLS seasons inside of this season. Because it feels like every time we're okay, now it's time for the stretch run to the playoffs and break. It's like, okay, now we're, you know, let's go win the sheet and break. It's just, I don't like international breaks. I think they should be abolished. (laughs) The alternative isn't that much better. Although I think it was um, uh, Arsene Wenger who floated the idea of playing every single international match over a two month window in the summer and not doing any midseason breaks whatsoever so that the U.S. men's national team would only exist from, say, mid-June to mid-August. It would play no other games outside of that. 
Yeah, but then that would mean we'd have to play games in MLS during the winter, and it's starting to get cold out, gentlemen. I don't know if you've, <laughs> I don't know if you've been outside. It's rather pleasant right now, but we're going to be transitioning quickly into weather. I'd rather be inside for so. <laughs> Oh, it's just time to embrace indoor soccer. Come on now. That's, that's I, I the think, answer. I think, though, at the international break is a good time to reflect on, you know, one of the great um, tragedies in the world. Oh, God. And it's um, the German national football team having to travel to the United States to play a friendly. Oh, could you imagine having to travel to play a friendly? Yeah, it'd be crazy. Jeez, like... They, they like yeah. People, <laughs> I, I people were throwing an absolute fit about the German Federation scheduling a friendly in the United States. Well, I mean, it's so hard to get window. to the United States. It's famously very difficult to get a direct flight from Germany to the United States. <laughs> and right. later this year, the NFL will play what a couple of regular season games in Germany. Like <laughs> they're also talking about. Playing games in Spain and they play like multiple games in London. Just like if the NFL can do this, stop your bitching. They, <laughs> the sport is exponentially more violent. You have to put exponentially more people onto the airplane. Like what if the German national team travels on an Airbus? Each person gets his own section of the plane. There's not that many people on the soccer team. There's a 52, 53 man NFL roster. They are cramming reserve offensive linemen onto an aircraft going over seas on this. They can they can make a soccer team accommodation work for this. I am not confident in this math, but I feel pretty good that Vancouver will travel farther for a lot of their Eastern Conference opponents, then Germany will travel to New York. Like, <laughs> Seems true. So therefore it is true. Yeah. I mean, if it's right in my gut, it's going to be right here. And, and I believe, Grayson, you made this point on Twitter, but like a lot of the U.S. team plays in Germany or at the very least England as well. So it's the same Italy. trip. Yeah. It's the <laughs> same trip for them, too. It's not some great advantage. Also, like this is like when like Chelsea played in Azerbaijan or something mm -hmm. like that. That's not a short flight either. Like people have this mistaken idea that Europe is very small. It's like no individual countries in Europe are small, but traveling from one end of Europe to the other end of Europe is still a pretty substantial flight that yes. is not too dissimilar than the across the Atlantic flight. Well, the part of Europe that everybody thinks about is really small. Yeah. <laughs> people, people talk about that. They're not talking about um, traveling from London to Baku. <laughs> but it They're happens. talking about London to Paris. <laughs> right. Um, so the distance London from to Manchester. <laughs> so the distance from Vancouver to Miami is 5,500 kilometers. Okay. How um, dare you? Kilometers. That's what Google's giving me. I'm not, I'm not messing with it. <laughs> um, and then the distance from Munich to New York is about 6,400 oh kilometers. Oh my God, it's so much larger. So Jeez, yeah, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> I'll admit when I'm wrong and you I'm wrong. Go to, you have to go to Chicago and back. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> is that his punishment for being wrong? He has to go to Chicago and back right now. <laughs> no, to, no, to make up, to like make up the distance. C cumulatively, you need to travel 6,300 kilometers, Kevin, get going. <laughs> and But no, there, it is worth pointing out though, it is worth pointing out that Vancouver's travel schedule, Vancouver to Miami, 
they have to fly commercial for that. If my if if I'm under, remembering the MLSPA correctly, I believe they can fly private now. But I guarantee you, it's not as nice of private as the German national team is right. Right. That yeah. the, the point being that the I guarantee you the German national team has way better resources and are flying on a way nicer plane than the Vancouver Whitecaps will ever fly on this year. Yeah. And also Germany gets a break in their schedule for that trip. Vancouver <laughs> yeah. doesn't get a break in its schedule. Like, I mean it's FC Cincinnati had to go to um had to go to Colorado and had to I think like play in Cincinnati Go to Colorado and then go to New York. Yeah. In like seven days. Yep. We're also not that far removed from MLS teams having to get connecting flights places too as a team. So cry me a river on this one, Germany. Yeah. Uh yeah. And all the travel that the Mexican teams ran into during uh Leagues Cup as well. Yeah, I it's just like this is the the part of the game. This is another part of the game where like everybody wanting it to be like they do in in Europe just doesn't translate. Like the travel constraints in Europe just aren't as intense as they are in the US that like you can't have a league the size of England. England's about the size of Alabama. Like you can't just put all of the professional teams in Oregon or Alabama and just say, "All right, now you can just take a bus everywhere." Like well, it's, in England, it's harder. in England, they have so many away games. Yeah, where they wake up and go to sleep in their own bed. Yeah, it's and like the away fans and away culture is such a like. An, a known commodity and like you're expected to go on the road with your team because yeah you can be back later that afternoon because they're yeah. usually doing noon kickoffs yeah. yeah we were talking about that when i think the three of us were talking about this with regard to fc cincinnati's playoff draw where if you look at the table right now the way it's setting up uh fcc is almost certainly going to end up playing either in new york uh, for its first road game. So playing against Red Bulls or NYCFC. Uh, Charlotte is another big option in this space. And then the next most likely outcome is Montreal. <laughs> it's like one of those things is not like the other in terms of I would love to go to the road playoff game. But uh, New York, very cheap flight. Charlotte, very cheap flight. Montreal, on a two-week or a one-week notice, you're talking every bit of $1,000 just to Montreal and that short of a notice. Whereas every road trip in the UK is a bus ticket that's like, what, six pounds, 10 pounds? Right. Train. But yeah, yeah, same exact idea. Well, yeah, or the they charter buses. Are, no, they, they charter yeah, buses, buses for these away days. Yes, yes. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it'd be nice. And then like, I don't know, when 200 away fans you know, like 200 Colorado fans end up in Charlotte and then some jerk from the UK is like, wow, pathetic away support. It's like, whoa, yeah. man, that's a Herculean effort to get that many people there. <laughs> they spent more on this one away trip than you will spend on every away trip following around with Ipswich or whoever it is yeah, that you follow. A decade of season tickets, you assholes, for low ticket prices. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Be, you can get to... If, let's assume the game is on the 4th. You can leave November 3rd, come back November 5th for about $427 round trip. Where's this to? Montreal. Great. Yeah. The problem is, is that if you book it now, 
the price right. is very reasonable. If yeah. you wait until the game actually gets announced, because we have to wait till decision day for this, you're going to pay through the ass for this ticket. <laughs> what I love is, um, so MLS announced the um, like re-entry draft schedule and all that yeah. crap. Yeah, and then apparently they emailed to all the all of the press the um, quote unquote playoff schedule. Mm-hmm. But it's just the playoff like schedule windows. Yes, that have been up on the website and that we talked about on this podcast last week, but have been up on their website for like two months. I'm sorry. But they if I'm sorry. If there's another band word on this podcast, I think it's probably Windows. So we may have to decide. <laughs> on. Well, that's fine. But but regardless, like, yeah, it's just so funny. Like I saw press being like, oh, this this just. The the playoff schedule came through my inbox. And I was like, yeah, that was up in like July, dude. Yeah. Also, it, it doesn't give you any information because it doesn't tell you when any individual team plays. Right. This isn't the NFL. They don't have the playoffs already figured out this far in advance as to who's actually playing and who's advancing. Yeah. Or oh, at the very least, least yeah, say seed the seeds. one. Yeah. East one will play East eight on this date at this time. And then, yeah, as an FCC fan, you would know your entire schedule. Right then and there, assuming- which would be nice because then what you would do, the galaxy brain move here would be to on East one road game. Yes. So whatever that would be, you would book the ticket to Montreal now because that's clearly the most expensive flight. And then if you don't end up pay- playing Montreal, you get the the e-credit and you book to go to New York <laughs> because that flight won't be as expensive to make on short notice. You might even come yeah. out ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, they also don't still don't have the playoff disciplinary rules. You don't need them. Why do you need the rules to the most prestigious competition in your league? Right. You know, it'd be really awesome, actually, if they had no disciplinary rules and you could just accumulate as many yellow cards as you wanted throughout the playoffs. That's what I want. Like Thunderdome soccer. That would be badass. I mean... We're pretty close to it. Just nobody, <laughs> nobody let the league know. <laughs> like, why do you need yellow card accumulation in the playoffs? I just mean, apply red. Just apply red cards. Ooh. Are you saying get rid of yellow cards in the no, playoffs? Because no, no, no. Oh, I'm also in favor of this idea too. <laughs> I like awesome. this a lot. <laughs> no, but just, just you know, get as many yellow cards as you want. Uh, if you get, if you get a red card, you miss a game. Whether it's double red, double yellow, or a straight red. Okay, you say that, but there's a pretty good chance we play New York Red Bull in our first. They're not going to get any yellow cards anyway because the league has just decided they get to play that way. (laughs) (laughs) That's their style, man. Nothing we can do. Doesn't matter that everything they do is against the rules. Right, it's part of the game. Do you understand that? That this is a part of the game. This, this, and if you don't like it, then you know you should be the one winning and don't let them do this. Get out. Since since Red Bull have this like global identity, I would not be surprised if they were like, "You have to let us do this." This is global Red Bull football. If you don't if you don't let us do this, we're going to care less about this than we even do. It would be really like funny if this was part of like something. the the global brand identity, like when the Red Bull Corporation for Energy Drinks is trying to negotiate the price of aluminum with their suppliers that in the middle of the negotiation, the CEO just falls down and starts <laughs> writhing in pain. 
It's like, I thought this negotiation was supposed to end at four. And he's just like down grabbing his knee. And the guy's like, I have to get home to see my wife. I'm like, no, we can't leave yet. He's down. They're, yeah, they're going to see who gets to sponsor like some random cup competition. <laughs> and then they, they the CEO of Red Bull runs over the CEO of Carabao and just starts kicking him in the ankles. <laughs> yeah. Flopping, lying to the authorities, calling the paramedics Fine. every 10 you, minutes. <laughs> you can get it for a thousand euros a ton. Fine. You've worn me down. <laughs> Man, it is still unforgivable to me that MLS has allowed New York City, the the city in the United States, the, the global center of so much of our world, uh, to be run by... Uh, Manchester City's what C team now at this point D team and a energy drink advertisement in Harrison New Jersey just well done MLS you really managed this to success it's <laughs> just fantastically well done <sighs> well I guess speaking of the league mismanaging its most valuable assets it's Soccer Blog Book Club, <laughs> gentlemen, and we've got a doozy from The Athletic. <clears throat> I will say, if nothing else, because it was a sort of like hodgepodge, uh, what do they call that? Their notebook article. Uh, Should be a short one. Yeah, really just the first clip of the notebook is what I want to focus on here because I know all of us were tweeting about this. Lots of SCC Twitter was tweeting about this. And I do think it's worth sort of diving into chewing on the fat a little bit with this one. However, I That's understand. Speaking, speaking of sitting on a yellow card. <laughs> In order to accomplish this task, um, uh, we do have a rule in place. We will try to keep it in place. Boy, we are just tempting fate here with this conversation. Um, we will attempt to not say a particular name uh, here. You'll probably figure it out from the context clues, or if you've ever listened to an episode of us before, you know exactly what we're talking about. So, Grayson, I give you the hardest job on the podcast by having you read the article. What MLS is missing in the playoffs. Okay. Major League Soccer knows how to do knockout games. It doesn't matter if it's Roy Miller stealing a free kick from Thierry Henry or a double post penalty shot or a Shane Salinas dribbling half of the field at Disney against the Vancouver Whitecaps during a tournament called MLS is Back. Any MLS fan will tell you that they know to tune in for MLS After Dark and MLS with actual stakes. Um, awful. Yes. Yeah. Awful writing. Terrible. I would it be mm, one annoying thing is um, how many people write about MLS seem to just despise the league, <laughs> just to have no respect for it. Yeah. Just think of it as this big joke. It's like if you're a, a writer in MLS covering MLS and it's part of a bigger conversation that is just how bad this league is covered. You fall into one of two camps. Either it's loathing at the league that you cover or a an extreme apologist attitude for the league that you cover where I am apologizing for liking this or I am expressing yes. my disdain for it so that you know that I know that what I am covering is bad. And right. there's there is no, like a very rare balance. 
a couple of folks have, which is just to like admire what's weird and silly about the league while also treating it seriously as competition. Yeah. Like what you just read, what was written there by one of the most respected journalists in this little niche of sports stuff is that as an MLS fan, you're stupid for watching regular season games. That's dumb. You should watch late night games involving bad Western Conference teams sarcastically because, again, you wouldn't be caught dead actually caring about any results that are happening in the regular season and that the best moments in this league are the weird moments, the goofy moments, the not top 10 sports center highlights and nothing of actual sporting competence. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's nice. Uh, do that to like women's soccer one time. Just see what happens. Like, turn turn off your mentions before yeah, you do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Partly for that reason, the debut of the League's Cup this summer was a success. The tournament provided exciting knockout games, and as a result, high drama. It also had, uh. <laughs> An individual. Players doing <laughs> player things. <laughs> that last part was, well, it was kind of important. It is impossible to know just how much fans care about the League's Cup or how successful a tournament it will be in the future. Because this summer's League's Cup was all about not Miami as a team. The Argentine legend announced his arrival to enter Miami with a game-winning free kick against Cruz Azul. Viva la Machina. Yeah, Viva la Machina. And, proce and proceeded to run rampant the rest of the tournament, scoring 10 goals in seven games to lead Miami to its first trophy. It was must-watch must television. Now, we'll have to talk about this next paragraph, but yes. I just want people to get ready for this. For that reason, Inter-Miami's 1-0 loss to FC Cincinnati on Saturday night was a devastating blow. <laughs> the defeat marked the return of a player to the field after an injury forced him to miss six of the Herons' previous seven games in all competitions. It also marked Miami's elimination from MLS playoff contention. There will be no reason for journalists to watch the MLS postseason. Wow. There will be no reason to watch the postseason. Well, that was, I was reading some subtext. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was changing uh, the literal word on the page yeah. to the subtext. Yeah. That the word, of the message, the word was yeah. getting across. <laughs> might, might even be outing themselves in this case. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm sorry, like... Miami's loss to Cincinnati was a devastating blow. I, you know, like what? Why? You, right. You're the people in the like. What were they? What was the league expecting? Right. What were they expecting? They let they signed a player, uh, didn't make him play in the league for two months. The team was the last place team in the league, and despite bending over backwards, um. The schedule that they had backloaded 
that was that you know to start after league's cup they had like two games in hand mm-hmm. over everybody i don't think that was an accident um they couldn't handle the the workload i guess yeah like sure they brought in one particularly high profile player they also brought in like nine other guys and a new manager with success in this league that as constructed there there's every reason why that team should have rattled off a bunch of victories or at least avoided defeat in any number of games like their path was there for the taking and they didn't now where i will say you could even use the phrase was a devastating blow if the framing of the article was MLS has put all of its marketing eggs in this basket. Now this basket is gone. But that doesn't seem to be exactly where this little article goes because it's like mourning a loss rather than like critiquing the league for not, say, taking the opportunity to raise the profile of Cincinnati so that you could take inner Miami casual viewers and say, hey, here's another team that's doing it right. If you enjoy MLS quality teams, this is the best one we got. You know, I mean, that's root it, for their demise or root it, for them to win, whatever. It, it's funny to a certain extent that like I always equate this to like what would happen in other sports. Yes. And if Tom Brady loses in the playoffs, the NFL doesn't say, oh, we may as well pack up shop. Tom Brady is gone. What right. they do is they elevate the person who beat him. Like, oh, my God, you have to watch this guy who just beat Tom Brady. Right. Like, this guy is a star in the making. They'll do that to anybody. The guy that's the quarterback of the 49ers, Brock Purdy, was yeah. a seventh round pick. They'll make him a star. Their machine will make him a star. Why? Because sports needs narratives to survive. And if the only narrative you are capable of creating as a league is come watch this generationally talented player do his thing, and you are unable to pivot off that narrative to come watch the team that knocked him out do this thing or hey especially with cincinnati hey here's a guy who was uh taking photos with him at the world cup hero worship idol worship and his team just knocked him out of the mls postseason playoffs here's yeah. a new star to latch on to right here come watch this play you've already signed up to watch this guy can we interest you in this person as well in this story as well but it's just we've talked about this since jump with this league and that this league um, is terrible at creating and driving storylines about matchups and storylines about players and storylines about teams. It's always told at 50,000 feet. Um, and it's just, it's not, they don't give you a reason to care. And what they're admitting tacitly in this article is that the only thing the league successfully made anyone care about this year was this dipshit showing up with his three-ring circus from Argentina. Yeah, so the only way Miami was ever going to make the playoffs, the way that this was set up, um, was if they went from the worst team in the league to adding a handful of guys or nine, you know, adding adding a bunch of summer signings, yeah, and then immediately being historically dominant <laughs> the rest of the season. Right. Anybody who wanted that to happen is a joke. 
anybody associated with the league who wanted Miami to immediately run over every other team in the league, which is what they would have had to do yeah. to make the playoffs, even with the expanded format, is a joke. They don't they don't respect the other players in the league. They don't expect the league as a competition. They certainly don't expect don't respect the uh, fans yep. of other teams who rightfully want to see their own team win. Um, and so like, and also there's an angle where like, look, look, despite, you know, a history of dominating everywhere, Miami was still not able to climb into the playoffs. Right. We have good teams in this league and you can't just sign a couple of guys and expect to, and expect to expect them all to roll over. Here's the other thing too. Even if you want that to be the narrative, the dude got hurt. Like that's not, that's not failing. That's you signed an old dude to come over here and play. And the old dude did what old players do. And that's, they develop injuries. They are less reliable. They are less um, available after the amount of minutes they've accumulated in a short amount of time. So it's like, you can't control for that. What do you want to do? Go back and retroactively unfuck up his hamstring? Yeah. What, it just doesn't yeah. work that way. And it was the old scar tissue. So it's like, yeah, like an old injury itself sort of haunting the uh, the moment. Yeah, it's just it's it's incredibly disrespectful. Also, like Grayson, to your point, like if Miami had done that, it also flies in the face of the entire founding principle and everything MLS has done for 27 years, which is build slowly, slow growth and parity that any team can win at any point to suddenly abandon that. I feel like would have to require a unanimous vote from the owners to dissolve like their their governing laws of how MLS functions and to make them all go independent or something like it's plus this article gets so close to the real point at to a real point and then glosses over it and that's that MLS got their money's worth out of this because he won League's Cup and that this was what launched this brand new initiative for the league this new cup competition that they are desperate to get eyeballs on and to get people caring about and hand up. He made me watch the league's cup final when I otherwise probably wouldn't have cared. He made the three of us (laughs) sit at a bar in Columbus and watch, find a place to watch the league's cup final. Um, Yeah. To say that this is some sadness or some disaster that he's not available for MLS cup playoffs they already got more than anyone can rightly expect out of him joining the worst team in the league with so few matches left to play. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's more to this. Sorry. There's, more, there's more to it. I'm not going to read. <laughs> I'm not going to read it all. Um, cause there's a big paragraph that just makes the point that chief just made basically, but not as, not as directly. Um, MLS this season will debut a play-in game between the 8th and ninth seeds in each respective conference. An added wrinkle, along with the best-of-three game format in the next round, meant to give MLS a larger postseason inventory. The downside is that an expanded playoff field means bad teams will be rewarded. 
The upside is that this year it also gave Miami a chance to sneak into the postseason. Instead, MLS will now be serving up matchups between highly flawed teams without anywhere near that level of star power. Matchups like Montreal versus New York Red Bulls, or Chicago versus Charlotte, or San Jose versus FC Dallas. Sure, those knockout games, even between bad teams, will probably deliver entertainment value, especially for fans of those teams. <laughs> the diehard MLS fans know that, but losing out on Miami in the playoffs meant losing out on a critical opportunity to expose casual sports fans to the rest of the postseason, to the fun that is, and I hate that he's using this again. MLS with actual stakes. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's like totally ridiculous to like shit on all these teams that and that finished the year above Miami. Yeah. First of all, flood teams um, without star power. Second of all, it's insane to um, complain about expanded playoffs as this writer has been doing for months. Yes. And then bemoan that Miami couldn't sneak in to that last spot, which just means that like there would only be one fewer quote unquote, like highly flawed team with no star power. If Miami had made it, then there's already going to be right. And honestly, I would be surprised if there would be a team in this, in this league that based on the tone of this article, he wouldn't describe as a highly flawed team with no star power. Yeah, it's yeah. a salary capped league. Every team is flawed by design. No one can be without flaws because you're forced to choose where you want to be weakest at. And also the premise of because Miami is not in the playoffs, these new fans won't be exposed to MLS playoffs. They were just going to go away by this. Pre if they're not going to follow the playoffs without him, they're going to go away as soon as his team loses anyway. So yes. if he loses a knockout game, those fans aren't sticking around because you've already said that, that, that he is the only attraction. So really, the only way to get the maximum mileage he's looking for out of the playoffs is for Miami to win MLS Cup and for these fans to be watching from start to finish. And if that's what you were rooting for, if you were rooting for Miami to win MLS Cup, solely on this mistaken belief that there are casual fans out there that wouldn't watch MLS otherwise that will now become fans of the league because of this. I don't know what to say. You're just living in a different plane of reality. You've already yeah. lost the argument by saying they're not going to watch the playoffs. If they're not going to watch the postseason of the league that they are now allegedly fans of, why on earth would you expect them to carry on watching when said player, unsaid player, is no longer in the league? Like, it's just right. an insane idea. I don't know, man. <laughs> and by and large, like, the Miami's revamped team has not raised overall. I don't mean this is an indictment on the quality of play in the league, but it hasn't raised the quality of play in the league. They no. brought the team up basically to the level of most decent teams in MLS with one DP di difference maker. Yeah. Right. That's like a good MLS team. Yes. What you see when you watch a Miami game is you see an MLS game played at an MLS level 
with a couple of really good plays. Yeah. Right. Which is also what you see when you watch FC Cincinnati. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, so like anybody who's like, like there's no, there's no like difference that like you could detect as like a discerning soccer watcher. Um, like we, like Tiago Amada makes free kicks. Lucas Zellerayan was making free kicks. Alvaro Barreal makes free kicks. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to the, the real kicker in this, I think, is anybody, any objective observer has to admit that, like, to the extent that there was a game that new and improved Miami played in, that was like, this is a, this is the best example of like how we want play in this league to elevate. It has to be that U.S. Open Cup semifinal. A hundred percent. Apple TV didn't even carry. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like as far as like the both the both the teams. Yeah, that has to be the that has to be the highest quality match between MLS teams in 2023 so far. The, the yeah. thing I just keep going back to, thinking about this, is that all of this just feels so like the narrative around the NFL and Taylor Swift, that Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey. And oh, look, the Swifties are paying attention to football now. And isn't this great that a whole new group of people are being exposed to football because they're watching to see Taylor's new boyfriend on the field? And it's like, as soon as that relationship ends, the Swifties aren't suddenly becoming Kansas City fans. Right. That's not the way this works. These people that are showing up to watch Messi, I haven't seen, and maybe I'm just occupying the wrong corner of the internet. Fuck! <laughs> Fuck! It worked. It worked. <laughs> Somebody was falling. <laughs> uh, uh. Oh, so good. Uh, we just kept we just kept spinning that wheel. <laughs> He's gonna just appreciate. kept spinning the wheel and oh. pulling the trigger. Oh <laughs> man, that's so good. Honestly, All right. part two. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> it's just it's just a Survivor series. <laughs> oh, I like the wellness check from Mischief. <laughs> All right, time for part two, I think. Uh, I think that does it. <laughs> I know it's in my I'm, 11 right now. I'm so profoundly unhappy right now. I just woke my wife up. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, I think that's that's the conversation there. <laughs> Long story short, uh, the league better diversify its... Uh, it's advertisement uh, <sighs> capabilities or else this is going to be an adorable flash in the pan in five years time. So, <sighs> well, <laughs> well, Chief gathers his thoughts. I think that we go ahead and we head on over to part two where we got to sit down with the one and only 
Jake Barford, uh, YouTuber, uh, content creator. You saw him pull the sword before New York Red Bulls. If you like the Chief, we're curious who this individual is. I think you're going to enjoy this this conversation. We actually get into sort of his career, his time with FC Cincinnati. What? And uh, what he's doing, the ins and outs of the content creation. Part three. We're going to go in the 11 out of the 18, assuming Chief is, is willing to carry on here. So enjoy this interview. We'll catch you on the other side. This episode is also brought to you by Cincy Shirts. Look, you know Cincy Shirts. You love Cincy Shirts. They've been with FCC from the beginning. And we here at the Postcast, we're just huge fans of their work. They were very early sponsors of the Postcast here, and we have always enjoyed their work. If you head on over to cincyshirts.com, that's cincy with a Y, shirts.com, and check out using the promo code THEPOSTCINCY, all one word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you. Like they have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online and at their two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. If they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. That is a fantastic feature and something that I have used as well. So again, special thank you to Cincy Shirts. Head on over to their website or check the link down below in the description for the promo code, the post Cincy, for 10% off your next order. And a huge thank you to Cincy Shirts. Oh, and joining us on the postcast, a very, very special guest for us. You have seen him online on YouTube. You know him as B Ford. It is one Jake Barford, content creator extraordinaire. Jake, how you doing this evening? What's up, guys? How we doing? Thank you so much uh, for having me. Talk some FCC out here. I'm ready. Oh man, we we are so happy to have you here. If nothing else, I Chief, I'll let you if you would like to to issue any words here. Now would be a good time. Yeah, so I think we, it's important <laughs> to admit that we we sometimes book our guests in unconventional ways. Sometimes it it involves you know sliding into the DMs. Other times it involves you know a personal relationship being built. Other times it involves what I'll characterize as a gross misunderstanding um, in the online space. So I would like to take this moment to say to Jake, uh, Jake, would you like to apologize for baiting me into attacking you and having <laughs> over your million plus fans? <laughs> just absolutely annihilate my mentions for an evening yeah they, they had my back um hey but listen i so obviously it all started from a tweet right and um a lot of people since you don't know me they see youtuber i know how it goes right like i i i know the reputation one can get from being called like a social media personality so i see where you were coming from but I had to, I had to back my, I had to back myself up. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, of course, oh, like nothing less. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're here now. Like, yes. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's, uh, yeah, it's just squash. We're all good. We're all good. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, again, really appreciate it. Uh, you were still willing to come on, given given where we started. No, this is this is great. So, yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, you got to pull the sword uh, on the second to last home game for FC Cincinnati, and I guess I, I the bigger picture uh, of like. 
how you got to that point uh, is really what I'm interested in. So like how you end up on the club's radar, how you get to that point in your sort of content creation career that you've you've got this massive following. All of that is super, super interesting to me. So for people who don't know, uh, you are a, uh, you post YouTube videos. I don't want to call you a YouTuber unless you're cool with the, 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 yeah, fine. Yeah. the title. Um, you have, as we've discussed, uh, over 2 million subscribers across all of your various, uh, channels and platforms there. I'm glancing at your channel. You're racking up hundreds of thousands of views, uh, on all of these videos, if not well into the millions. How do you describe to like family members at Thanksgiving, what you do for a living? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they know, they know by now, but, uh, okay. yeah, I'm just, I, I'm uh I've been doing it for eight years, kind of creating uh content in the in the soccer world. So I got my start with the video game FIFA, which I still do. Um, and it's it's allowed me to branch out into uh you know into other other avenues in the soccer world to to create content. And I've been you know lucky enough to do a lot of travel as of late. You know, was at the the World Cup uh, in Qatar. Was at the past two Champions League finals. Um, you know, been over to England for games, Germany, uh, Argentina. I've been all over, um, but uh, Cincinnati is home for me, born and raised in uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, so obviously FC Cincinnati is my team. Um, and yeah, been a supporter since day one and you know, used to work for the club as well. So it's cool. Uh, it's been cool to be a part of the journey from the inside and now um, still doing stuff with the club, but, you know, more looking on the on the outskirts as a fan, I would say nowadays. Yeah, I, I've got to ask the Cincinnati question then. Where'd yeah. you go to high school? I'm from LaSalle. That's why it's B Ford Lancer. It was my yeah. like uh yeah, it was like my grade school gamer tag, B Ford Lancer. So it stuck and I, I had to keep it. It's just the name. Yeah. So LaSalle. West nice. Side. Yeah. Nice. Uh no, that that is that is great. Yeah, and that was something that I saw people online were like, why is this guy from New York doing this? It's like no, you're from Cincinnati. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I I live in New York now. I kind of split time between the two cities. Um, I just moved here last year. Um, you know, since he's always home, but I lived there my whole life, and I had an opportunity to come out here and um wanted uh wanted to experience life outside of Cincinnati. Um, but I'm I'm still back all the time. So it's it's good to it's good to kind of be in both worlds. And also, like I mentioned, I'm traveling a ton, so. Yeah. It's, this past year has really been hard to like say what home is because it's been it's it's been a different life that's for sure. Yeah. A lot more direct flights from New York to soccer cities than from Cincinnati. Yeah, I was like <laughs> from Cincy. There were times where I'm jumping on like three connecting flights, traveling for like 24 hours. I'm like, this is not it. But yeah, yeah. if you got if you got to travel, if you got to travel a lot. It's a lot better to be in a place that you don't have to go through Atlanta every single time you want to catch know, a flight right? somewhere. <laughs> I know. You got to connect Atlanta, Dallas, New York. Um, but yeah, it just like happened. I think the the game that I was doing it, they played New York Red Bull. I I have no allegiances to any other MLS team, um, but besides FC Cincinnati. So always, <laughs> even though I'm in New York, you know, doesn't doesn't change my allegiance. So yeah, it's a so sports I fan. So I got to ask, because this is always fascinating to me, because I am of an age where grew up in the Internet era, obviously. Mm -hmm. But like YouTube is sort of a so, shocker, given how we started out. YouTube is a bit of a cultural blind spot to me. Okay. And just take me through the pivot that you make. You're working with FC Cincinnati. 
you're working for other people. Mm-hmm. When do you decide or how do you decide what's the thought process like of pivoting from I'm going to do content for other people to I think I can do content for myself. How did you come to that realization and how did you branch off and decide to go your own way and do your own path like that? Yeah, it's um I feel like I was kind of lucky to grow up. Um so I'm 26. Uh, I feel like I would be classified as more of like a Gen Z, but like I'm a millennial, like at heart. Um, and I think it gave me a real advantage because when I was growing up, I was always tech savvy. I was always, um, you know, I always had a camera on me as a kid. Um, I was, you know, learned how to edit at an early age. So I always sort of had something in me where I liked like creating content. Um, and I started doing YouTube when I was really, really young. But then when I was in high school, um, going into college, I started to do it more seriously and started to develop this following. And at the time I was at Xavier University. Um, so I was I was kind of I was kind of in a weird spot where I'm like, all right, do I do I go all in on YouTube or do I you know maybe look elsewhere for other jobs? Um, which I did just, you know, because I wanted to play as safe. Um, and I was a, a video production major. So I actually met um someone from the club. Uh, his name is Nick. He, uh, you know, handled production at the time when the games are at Nippert. So I was uh, the cameraman for <laughs> FC Cincinnati for a while. Wow. It was uh, not for television, but for for in stadium. So, you know, I was on the sideline, um, you know, <laughs> on all the cameras, you know, filming the game for for the scoreboard at Nippert. And then I did it for a year or two as well at TQL. Um, yeah. So that, that was fun. But yeah, um, YouTube wise, I'd always done it right. Like, uh, I was I was doing the the YouTube stuff and the the, the camera work did it for the Cincinnati Reds as well a little bit for the Bengals so I was kind of all around the city and then then COVID hit and I graduated uh, college at the same time and it kind of was just a perfect storm like I was already trapped in trapped in my house and I'm like you know what you know I wasn't able to work for Cincinnati or the Reds like all the teams kind of kicked me to the side which fair enough like I have no complaints on that um, they had to do what they had to do and I just went for YouTube and it. Yeah, never look back really. Yeah. And it's stuck. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, man. I, I mean, at what point are you doing the uh you know, at what point in the YouTube career uh did you feel like like you had you actually had something? Like I'm sure there's a million other people that have tried to be a streamer or a YouTuber yeah. and, and never made it. At what point did you feel like you had actually made it? Oh, I mean in terms of just like making it, I mean, dude, anyone can make it. Like, it depends how you define making it. Like, yeah, I was I was pumping videos out every day, and it took me. It actually only took me around uh, a few months to really start make like making some, you know, a little bit of money on the side, and the, you know, maybe it was about four months before I got ten thousand subscribers. So it was kind of like a quick takeoff. Yeah. Um, but make it, make it. Like, obviously, a million subscribers was a big milestone um 100k was also you know all those where you had a zero like huge milestones but i think a million was kind of like i feel like i like completed the the youtube quest you know i'm obviously still doing it but like it's always felt like different since a million because that was like always my goal and what i always been working towards um and i had a million last summer so yeah it's um it's been a journey man it's been really fun like it's it's i'm like super blessed to do what i do like not every like you said like so many people try right and they right. try forever and ever and ever and it doesn't and, and nothing sticks um but yeah i've i credit it to just the consistency of just 
I did it. I did every day for a while. Like I, I would never miss a post. And I, I just, I credit that, that consistency and that dedication to sort of my success, I would say. So you said you started out doing FIFA and yeah. obviously it sounds like your, your video content predates FC Cincinnati as a team. Yeah. Um, were you, did you grow up a soccer fan or did you have a team or did you get into the, in, into the sport through playing FIFA? Yeah, I got so I got in the sport um, through the 2010 World Cup. Okay, you know I just started. Yeah. Why well, I feel like a lot of people have a similar story. World Cup, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Landon yeah. Donovan, Clint Dempsey. Uh, you know that that whole run they made when yeah. when Donovan scored, everyone knows it. Um, yeah, that's what got me. That's what got me got me hooked. And yeah, my, I, now that I now that I think back, I, I really think that my channel kind of started at the same time as like FC Cincinnati too. Like 2015 <laughs> was kind of like the launch. So that's, that's, that's interesting. Like same timeline there. Yeah. <laughs> what what, is it, to... you, oh, what yeah, is it do you think that sort of makes people gravitate towards FIFA? Cause you see so many of like the big time streamers are yeah. FIFA or now how many times do you call it FIFA when it's really FC now? Is that like just, a big... <laughs> yeah. They just changed it. Right. They just had the whole rebrand. Um, Sorry, can you repeat that? Was I was it? gonna say, like, what do you think? It, like, because there are so many big time streamers that oh, are yeah. that are FIFA. What is it about FIFA that lends itself so well to streaming content and to content creators? Because I feel like that there just isn't that for some of the other sports games out there. That it always seems yeah. to be that FIFA are the biggest streamers. Is it just the fact that it's a global game and there's a global audience, or does it does the the actual game itself translate well to content creation? What what would you say it is? I, th I think it could, it could be both, but I, it's definitely the the global the global scale of the game. Like I have I have followers from like every freaking country. I swear, like you can go look, go look, and it's just like someone's watching me from like Guam and like all these random places, right? You know, Africa, South America, every continent. Like it's wild. So that that's the I would say that's what what propels FIFA, um, and and makes it such such a such a big game. And I think it's another reason too why like. I maybe not a lot of people from Cincinnati have ever heard of me because I've never really tried in my content to like reach the Cincinnati audience. It's always just been I want to reach soccer fans around the, the globe, you know, so I never I don't I don't do a ton of videos on FC Cincinnati. So it's probably why, like, you know, some people when they did see me pull the sword, they're like, who is this guy? Right. Like it was kind of <laughs> like a weird introduction to the, the team almost. Yeah. Yeah, which is funny too because as you said, you had done work for the team. Like Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's, that's where your name had first popped up for me. I'll say I you, you mentioned like the global reach of FIFA now EAFC and the sport uh with streaming. What do you make of both you and I show speed both being from Cincinnati and being some of the bigger names in this space? It's is it coincidence? Is there something to Cincinnati that lends itself to producing great FIFA content creators? <laughs> I don't know. Speed Speed was like, that was such a weird one, right? Because no one knew he was from Cincinnati and he like came out of nowhere, right? right I don't think right. like he specializes in FIFA like me. Like my content yeah. is like all soccer. This, this, this Speed kid is, does everyone know Speed's from Cincinnati? Like, is he like a... A staple around think, there now. I or? don't know. Speed is from Planet Earth. I've never heard. I, of it. Yeah. I don't think my other two co-hosts here know who I'm talking about. So, yeah, <laughs> he's on another level, it. though. Like credit to him, man. He is. Yeah, that kid is worldwide. Like everyone knows who he is, and I, it must. It might be an Ohio thing too, because you know you have uh, the Paul brothers. You know those are those are the YouTubers. I feel like everyone knows That's them. Right. 
yep. they're from. They're from Cleveland. Oh, yeah, Ohio's Ohio's underrated. Like it's one of the biggest, most populated states in the in the you know country. So chances are you're gonna get a few people on the online world coming out of uh, Ohio, right? But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it looks Everyone like in Ohio based... wants to pretend they're from someplace else. So, like, <laughs> YouTube is an opportunity to open yourself to a wider non-Ohio audience and remind yourself there's a bigger world out there. I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I saw I saw on your Twitter that you played uh, FIFA with some current FC Cincinnati players. Yeah. Uh, recently, and then I think you've maybe played with a couple of other a few players over the years. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious of which of the ones have you played with? Yeah. Who was the best? Ooh, okay. Yeah, so we so I have a video coming out tomorrow on like it's probably out by the time this podcast is up. I don't know how quick you turn these around, but uh, all of that is going to be in the video. So I'm I'm excited for you guys and and everyone else to check that out. So nice. yeah, it's like I, I put a lot of work into it, like a bigger scale video around you know obviously the uh, the sword pull and just the club in general. You know, like I mentioned, I have like a bigger global audience, so like trying to introduce people to the club as well, um, get more international fans for FC Cincinnati, right? Mm-hmm. Always trying to to help out to help out the team in that way, but yes. in terms of FC Cincinnati players that played, I mean, so we played Kimi Ordonez and Malik Pinto, and they were both very good. I will say, they were probably those those FC Cincinnati players. Those were were probably the two best. I've played a lot of other like football players in the past. Yeah. Um, I played Rio Ferdinand a few years ago. Um, I was just at an event. A week ago and i was playing with uh clint dempsey which was cool uh cole palmer from chelsea i think is the best i've played against really uh, hmm. he's really good yeah he, yeah you chelsea fan <laughs> yeah absolutely. there we go so much yeah. let's go come on <laughs> is it a red we gotta flag win, we gotta win something we gotta know, take best FIFA player right now <laughs> i know dude so yeah that's what you red... have <laughs> is it a red flag if a player is that good at fifa Ooh. surely it takes hours yeah. on the sticks <laughs> it is a red flag if you're if you're like i feel like if you're really 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 good which is you know uh they have like a competitive event it's called the weekend league and people always shoot for perfect records in that and you have like a perfect record or near perfect record in the weekend league as a pro like as a professional football yeah. player yeah you should probably be spending some time elsewhere <laughs> is it a red flag to use yourself in fifa too is there like an unwritten Ooh. rule that pro athletes have about that no, dude. If I'm a pro player, I wouldn't want to play. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't Absolutely. You? Absolutely. But like, yeah. I'm yeah. also not a pro athlete, so yeah. <laughs> so in the game, uh, on like the ultimate ultimate team, which I'm sure uh, you guys are familiar with, they they give uh, they EA Sports gives all the pro players their own like personal one of one 99 rated card. So <laughs> That's funny. you can like tell if you're playing uh, a player online because you'll see their like special glowy card pop up. So. People are always posting like when they're playing. Uh, who are, I mean, Cole Palmer's a big one. Like Diogo Jota is like crazy at uh at FC <laughs> FIFA. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, back to it. Red flag. Yeah, hundred percent. If you're uh, if you're a football player and you're really really good, <laughs> I wouldn't want my a player from my team right being uh you know prioritizing FIFA over uh over football. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm kind of curious about this whole building the FIFA community or being a part of a FIFA community. Yeah. So you get yourself started doing streaming, posting videos, and I'm familiar enough with the space to know that there's way more that goes into building an audience and connecting with an audience than just here's my video 
um, come watch it. What are some of the things that most people wouldn't know about building and growing a YouTube channel and growing a, a brand, which is what you yeah. are? You're a brand. What are some things most people wouldn't think of that are part of the grind of making that happen and growing yourself into that constantly adding another zero like we were talking about earlier? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many ways to do it. But, you know, for me, the biggest things throughout my journey that I think you know, helped me build an audience and, and sort of grow and, be, you know, make it to the point where I'm today, I, I said already, so consistency. So I had a few years stretch where I pretty much posted every day, like there were a few give or take, but I was posting, I would say 300 plus videos a year probably more than that, probably like 330 plus a year. So I was missing maybe, you know, 30 days a year. So that's a big one. Um, when you're posting every day, typically the same people are coming back watching and you're connecting with them in that way. You know, they're hearing your voice every day. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, constantly asking for their feedback and videos, you know, what they want to see, the type of content that they want me to put out. And, and then also, you know, responding to comments, like being active and actually like, you know, when people are, you know, take the time to comment on your video. And I can't, I can't respond to everyone's comment, but yeah, I like interacting with my audience in that way. Right. And, um, yeah, over time you keep doing that and, and build, build that community. And it's, you know, I've been doing it for eight years, so it's not like it happened overnight, but you know, it's, uh, it, it, it was a grind in that sense where every day I was putting, you know, most of my energy towards it. And what's the sort of community like among the creators? Is it competitive where you are, you know, constantly competing with other content creators? Is it collaborative where people are willing to work together to help, you know, hey, we'll do something together and maybe we yeah. both raise our, our profile up? What What is the FIFA community like in terms of that? Yeah, when I was first starting, it it was it felt very competitive in, in terms of like, I didn't have a ton of big creators to reach out to when I was coming up, so a lot of the big creators sort of kept to themselves. I think nowadays m more you see that collaboration and, you know, a lot of people are in group chats with each other, throwing out what works, what doesn't work. Um, and for me, I, I like to, you know, have a, a few people keep like a, a smaller circle that I, people who I really like and, you know, really trust and I'm good friends with and we talk YouTube, but also like, you know, we're, we're friends with like uh, you'll see in the in the in the video that I put out um, one of my friends his name is Jared so we actually met playing playing FIFA he's a YouTuber he's hmm. from Australia and he wanted to move to the US like it was one of his like dreams like he wanted to to live in the US so in around 2021 he's like yo I'm trying to get out of Australia he's like uh, I want to move to the US I'm like yeah like whatever you need I'll help you so a year later, like he got his visa, moved over. He's living in Cincinnati now. He's absolutely loving it. He's an <laughs> FC Cincinnati fan. You'll see him if you watch the video. Uh, he's such a good dude. One of my good friends. But yeah. From, from Sydney, Australia to Cincinnati, Ohio. You know, we met we met on YouTube. Just uh, became Man. friends through that. So it's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that is cool. cool. Story. So speaking of your video, you said you might incorporate the, the sword pool. Yeah. In the video and some of the stadium stuff. I got to mm -hmm. ask, like, is is a, is a sword heavy? Yeah, did you feel, did it's you a feel real that? sword. It's a real sword. Because <laughs> I gotta say, I watched. I went back after uh, after uh, you and you and Chief had your little back and forth, yeah. and I watched your video because I had not seen it live. And you, I feel like you really went for it. You know, you're yeah. like you're throwing that thing around. I was like a little nervous. Yeah. Well, I mean, first off, yeah, it's a real sword. Like 
uh, they they told me that they got it forged and everything. So it is a legit sword. It's not super sharp. So you're not Good. you're not gonna. Yeah, they for obvious reasons, right? But yeah, I mean, you'll see in the video too. Like I I it was an awesome moment. Like it was really cool. Like it it compared to you know being at the Champions League final and being at the World Cup. Like it was an awesome moment. Like as as I said, from being an employee. Uh, to doing something like that and on such a special day as well where they lifted the supporter shield like mm -hmm. it i was i was fired up i was yeah. i was pumping my fist man it was just pure emotion <laughs> i was yeah it was such a cool moment you got to hold the sword and pull the sword on the day the shield was on the field that was the first time that the full armory had been assembled at the same time right? yeah <laughs> and then the, it's so cool how they had the shield come down from the bailey as well like that was just it was just an awesome day so cool so cool to be a part of that i'm sure all of you i mean all of you are there right mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. figured yeah yeah no some of us were more there than others we know chief was there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shield a little heavier than the sword i'll bet but <laughs> yeah oh man well so, so you went please. to you got to go to qatar for the world cup tell yeah. me what that was like that we had um i don't know if you know her she is uh does videos for mls uh cheyenne from mm -hmm. between queen sheets mm -hmm. and um she was over there and she told us a little bit about it but i'm curious what your perspective was on what you did over there, how yeah. the experience was of actually being at the World Cup. Yeah, so we did, we shot this really cool series where, so me and Jared, who I told you about, we did like a backpacking trip to get to the World Cup and we stopped off in like, I think five different countries before we made it to Qatar. Um, so, you know, we we flew from New York to, to Ireland. We flew from Ireland to, to the Netherlands, Netherlands to Germany, Germany to Turkey, Turkey to Qatar, all in like seven days. So that was wow. crazy. <laughs> uh, we get to Qatar. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it was it was weird being there, especially with all the lead up and, you know, the controversy. And then, you know, we get there and they announce like no alcohol sales in stadiums. And it's like, whoa, like what's going on here? Like. I think we were a little nervous at first. Like, is it going to be safe and dangerous? Like, it was really safe at the end of the day. Um, and it was a little it was a little weird. Certain things were weird. Uh, but it was just cool, I think, in general to see the USA at the World Cup. Because that was, uh, yeah, like, that's what got me into playing. So I went to all the USA games. Got to see Messi play. Saw uh, Argentina versus Mexico. Saw Ronaldo play. Uh, Portugal versus Ghana. Uh, saw Mbappe and yeah, I mean, it was just, we went to 11 games, I think in total, it was, it was awesome. Such an awesome experience. Anything surprising about the experience that you weren't expecting or good could be good or bad, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it was a very, I mean, the, the country itself was very, was very strange because certain parts were brand new. Like the country, I think it was only Qatar was like, 1970 i think it became like a country could be wrong about that might need to fact check me but um that's a fact all these now. brand new areas <laughs> wait was, what was that sorry i said that's that that's a fact now we're not going to check it yeah okay yeah, that's good <laughs> that's part of the lore yeah uh you have all these new areas where like new skyscrapers hotels um yeah and then you kind of drive past like the the areas where it seems like they probably they kick the people to the side and it's like ah oh, that doesn't feel good right and i'm coming in here you know expensive trip you know it was expensive to be out there right hotels were expensive um 
And yeah, it was uh that that, that sense was was weird. Uh, I knew there was going to be something along those lines. Um but I got the World Cup is what you know is what it is. Um I tried to be as respectful as possible out there obviously to like the locals and, and I'm sure it helped them, right? I'm sure it helped the the, the locals out there. I would hope. Um yeah. But but yeah, um all yeah, that somebody, aside, yeah. Somebody good. said that there's only so many World Cups you get in your lifetime and you don't really get an opportunity to pick and choose and wait yeah. for the one potentially that's in the perfect destination or the perfect spot to go to. Um Yeah. So I get it from that regard completely. Yeah, and and the one the one cool thing about it being in Qatar uh was you could go to multiple matches in a day, right? It yeah. was is in such a small the country's so small. So I've I've two two of my friends who are also creators you probably saw them. They went to they went to every game. Uh, they, they went to every single World Cup game. They were I don't know how they did it. Like I saw them at a bunch of the games, and they were they looked exhausted. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't know how. Like they were leaving in the middle of matches, and you know, Ubers to and from all the stadiums. That had to be crazy. But I'm just glad that we got to. Yeah, we went to 11. So. That's that was that was enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you run into Lucho watching uh, Argentina at all? Apparently, he followed every yeah. single one of their matches. That's cool. Yeah, no, we saw uh, I saw Tommy G though out there. Nice. Yeah, so we met, we we linked up with him, um, and he was at a bunch of the games as well. So yeah, it was cool to. Hey, you can't like this is the thing. You could travel anywhere in the world, and you're gonna find someone from Cincinnati there, man. <laughs> That's so tr- that is so <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. Often uh, wearing a Carson Palmer jersey for no reason, too. <laughs> a decade Carson and a half Palmer, Ocho Cinco, Rudy Johnson, one of those. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of FC Cincinnati, you have built any number of ultimate teams and, and sort of fantasy teams in what I'm still going to refer to as FIFA. Yeah. Um, if you could build an 11 of either a whole Lucha, so I guess the question is who would win an 11 of Lucho Acosta's or Matt Miazga's who's oh, taken that one that's an interesting question well first off we need to talk to EA because Lucho's rating in FC 24 is oh, abysmal man I don't yes. I don't think they actually like watch I don't think they pay attention they I don't know what they do man it's honestly embarrassing because the dude is crushing it this year and like he's not even like in the top 10 in the league like what are you doing right. man right um if you want to start this campaign by the way we'll get all 12 of our yeah. listeners behind that we can make this happen <laughs> i can guarantee you a dozen angry people that will back you up on this crusade no we need to yeah we need to get no more tweeting at me send it all to EA Sports. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. deal <laughs> i would go for I would go for Lucho Acosta. Okay. I'm going to go for 11 Luchos. Yeah. Even in goal. Whew, that's the thing that's that true. kills He's me. Tiny. <laughs> He's tiny. Just, yeah. I'm just imagining Matt Miazga kicking a free kick over the Lucho wall and over a Lucho <laughs> keeper who can't get up to get to the top pins. <laughs> I might have to do that as a video. We'll see. We'll have like, it's only it's 10 Luchos because two of the Luchos are on top of one another yeah, yeah. in net, like doing like the Muppet Man in the giant jacket. <laughs> I'll make it happen. I'll, I'll, I know how to do that in FIFA where you can duplicate players. So 
Maybe I'll do that next video. 11 Luchos, 11 Matt Miazgas. We'll see who wins. Well, look, if they if Matt Miazga can win Defensive Player of the Year and Acosta can win MVP, there's your in right there yeah. for the content. So uh, is yes. there a player out there in the FIFA world that you have found to be, you know, just a an absolute godsend in the game that you think FCC should sign? just based on like your interactions with that player via the game. And we have to note, since we aren't a Toronto FC podcast, your recommendation won't actually get signed, but <laughs> it's good just Wait, to Wait, what that happened out. with Toronto FC? Wait, what happened there? Oh, their, their general manager literally just, he watched the uh, the Euros final, Italy, England, and then went on transfer market and sorted the Italian national team by whose contracts were expiring, found uh, Insigne and Bernadeschi, and that signed true? them. That's how they signed found them? 100%. How have I not heard market. that? That's crazy, <laughs> man. Honestly, though, I will say, I think more MLS teams do that than uh, than not with, with FIFA. Because yeah. if you've played career mode, you can you can go and sort players by like their potential. You can see like which young players oh, EA yeah. have the most potential. And for a few years, like... MLS teams were just signing like the best potential players in career mode. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, what? "Like this guy, no one has ever heard of in the U.S." But like, they randomly would just show up in MLS teams. Where was uh, where was Marco Angulo and potential? Oh um, man, FIFA. yeah, no idea. Who was it? Ryan Gould was one of the big ones. He's uh, oh yeah, still I believe here. That. Um, yeah. honestly i think that happens more more often than not with it would be so funny if that if more if more of those stories came out or just some some just old out of touch dude that's like watching his kid play fifa and it's like oh yeah you should sign this guy dad it's like oh that's a good idea let's go yeah like go on to transfer market go on to these yeah. sites and just wow I, I can't believe that that why would he admit to that too with I don't know, wow. and nobody else seems to care, but that was a real thing. <laughs> I don't recall if he expressly admitted to it or if it was something that came out through, like, reporting. A disgruntled like employee. A, like, a team, yeah. like a team source uh, yeah. uh, uh, reported that. Leaked I mean, it somehow. Yeah. yeah. It, will, it will shock absolutely no one to know they clinched the wooden spoon last weekend. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Turns out not the best team building strategy. Yeah, in the don't, world. Don't, don't go on transfer market to build your MLS team, folks, if you're ever in that situation. <laughs> but do you want to advocate for anyone that should be signed based yeah. on your FIFA playing? I'm going to advocate for my boy Patrick Ferry, which you guys have probably never heard of. No. But uh, the story on him is in 2021, he was the worst player in the game. Okay. And yeah. And I did. This is one of my most like viral pieces of content. Um, I did a video on him and I turned him into like the best player in the game. And I in the video, I, I like sent him a DM on on Twitter and he actually like got back to me and like we we chatted for a while um, just in DMs. Uh, and a year later, I like set out on a quest to go meet him. So we flew to Dublin, Ireland, um, and went on a two and a half hour drive up to to Northern Ireland on the other side of the road, which I'd never done before. It's like in like the pitch black because their training was at like 10 p.m. Because all these guys on this team have day jobs and they're they're uh, they're playing for a, a club in Northern Ireland. And I get there and it was one of the craziest things ever. Like from me, like 
randomly finding this dude on FIFA, DMing him, and now I'm in the middle of Northern Ireland <laughs> meeting Patrick Ferry. Uh, he doesn't have a team anymore, so mm. FCC should give him a chance. Free agent, baby. The MLS next pro team could use him at a minimum. So I'm, give I'm my man like, Patrick Ferry a chance. That's all I ask. Just, give him a give him a trial. I'm just I'm just laughing because when I was in law school, that was back when NCAA football was still a thing, yeah. and we went to I went to school with a guy who played football for one of the Ivies for like Cornell or something like that. And the first thing we did was get out the copy of college football and find out what his player rating was oh, for nice. his senior year. And he was like a 36 linebacker, which <laughs> was one of the lowest scores the game gave. And we never let him live that down any of the time he was in school. He was Just being the, the worst player in NCAA football. <laughs> oh, like we would like, we'd like do like, we have parties and we'd like put the game on and like have him trying to tackle somebody and he's too slow to catch up He's like controlling himself in the game. That's so weird, man. I don't know. What would you rather be? Would you rather be the worst player or just not be in the game at all? Oh, worst player. Worst yeah, player. A hundred percent. At the end of the day, he could just be like, yo, I'm in the game. What are you doing? Right. Right. It's like yeah, I was a worst player than the second worst player. Worst yeah. player you'd rather be like the worst than this, yeah, because then no one cares about the second. No worst one cares player, about right? the second worst. Yeah, not yeah. only that, but if you're the worst player, you can always do the thing like we're talking about with Lucho, where it's like they didn't even bother to look at me. They yeah, just gave yeah. me. They they just assigned me the worst ranking and was on with it. If you're the <laughs> second worst player, they were like they actually looked and made a decision that you shouldn't be at the bottom. Yeah, that you should be just a little <laughs> yeah. more than that. Like some thought went into that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. So uh, I gotta ask. I gotta ask the question. Just as from a content perspective, mm -hmm. you always gotta be thinking about what's next, right? Mm -hmm. um, is it always gonna be FIFA for you, or or FC for you, yeah. or do you have ideations or or thoughts of branching out to do something different beyond that when it comes to your primary content stream? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've already started the sort of branch away from the game. Um, it's still all. It's still always you know be there to to create when I want, but. Like I mentioned, there was a point where I was playing FIFA every single day, <laughs> posting a video on it every single day. Uh, now I've scaled back. Um, I'm doing more in person. Um, you know, going to going to matches, trying to wanted to just do more storytelling on things that I enjoy and experiences that I go on. So I have some, I have some big plans this year. Um, for some some cool pieces. Like obviously the Cincinnati one was one that I've I've been wanting to do for a while. Just like you know tell my audience about about cincinnati and uh open open their eyes to them and uh yeah when i i think these like experiences in the soccer world you know i have I'm, i've been lucky enough to um with my following you get uh, a lot more opportunities so um yeah like a lot of these things i've always dreamt of doing are now like i can i can turn into a reality um you know like like the champions league final uh, like the the World Cup, all of these crazy events. So I'm going to El Clasico this month, which is going to oh, nice. be awesome. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun one. I'm really excited for that. Um, oh. So yeah, that that is awesome, man. No, Jake, you've been incredibly generous with your time. Um, yeah, again, no if if people aren't familiar with their with your work. Where should they go to find you? <laughs> yeah, so YouTube's the main platform. Is Ford Lancer. Uh, find me on there, Instagram, Twitter as well. Try to be active. Probably too active sometimes. I feel like I'm on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> all day, and I hate it so much. But I yeah, it's uh, that's a whole other conversation. Social media <laughs> is. I love it because it gave me a career, but I'm freaking addicted to it, man. And I don't. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But uh, 
Yeah, man. Follow me there. That's how we're ending, I guess. <laughs> no, that is that Look is on perfect. the bright side. We're all on social media and we're doing it for fun. We don't even make any money. <laughs> I know, I know, right? I'm not, I'm not complaining, but kids out there, go outside, right? Yes. <laughs> don't let it don't let it rot your brain, kids. Yeah. Uh, no, and look for the uh, the FC Cincinnati video uh, yeah. coming out. So we'll it post It should already this. be out when this drops. Yeah, so, we'll yeah, post yeah. on Thursday, so that should be out. So go cool. check that out. Yeah, let me know what you guys think, too. If you guys... Uh, Get a chance to watch it. Oh, Chief will let you know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Jake, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks, boys. All right, we are back with part three. And again, huge thanks to Jake uh, for coming on the postcast. And um, yeah, definitely go check out his YouTube video. I know he's been working on an FC Cincinnati video, so you should definitely go check that out. Chief I'm not, I'm not, in, a, I'm not in a good spot mentally right now. Okay. <laughs> like, gonna... <laughs> we taped the interview before segment one. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not in a good spot right now. I can't believe that happened. (laughs) I was so convinced Grayson was going to say it. I was so convinced it was going to happen. And I didn't even I know my money was on me. Hand up. That's on me. That's my bad. Well, at a minimum, just to make sure that this episode isn't a total net negative for you. Chief, do you feel more? Uh, educated or enlightened as to the uh, the life of a YouTuber now that yeah. you've gotten to talk. <laughs> yeah, that uh, I want to go to a Champions League final too. Can we find a sponsor that wants to send us there? Come on, Empanadas Box. Yeah. Keep buying those Empanadas, folks. <laughs> I kind of want to go to CONCACAF Champions Cup now that we're playing in that. Can somebody send us there? Slide into the DMs. We will do all sorts of paid content on your behalf. Maybe uh, Dinesh D'Souza will send us. That would be nice. (laughs) (sighs) The Uh, worst part is people are going to see me at this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what do you you got a ticket for? (laughs) Oh, boy. boy. Uh, uh, Well, we are at everybody's favorite segment of the show in the eleven. Out of the 18, Indy 11, Ottawa 18. I think I tried that once. Uh, does anybody want to go first? Somebody else go. I'm just, I'm in, Chief. I need, I'm trying to collect myself still. I'm kind of shook. Chief needs a moment. <laughs> All right, I'll go, I'll go first. Grayson, you got something. Um. So, in the 11, I have been reading Atlas Shrugged. Why? Okay. <laughs> because I've want, never. Do you want I to had, see a movie with me in a couple weeks? <laughs> so I had I had never read it before, and it seems like a book that's like. I mean, it's clearly it's a book that's so meaningful Fair to enough. so many people. Yeah. So I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it in my eleven. Although I am like, three hundred pages in, and like twenty five percent on my Kindle. <laughs> so it's gonna be a long. It's gonna be a long. Uh, long time before um i i i reached valhalla um but um <laughs> even though it's in my 11 um i'm not sure what people see in it other than just like first of all 
it's it's written terribly. Sure. Like, it's it's not good writing. Like there doesn't there's no flow to it. Everything's really clunky. And there's only two emotions in it. There's anger at like all the politicians, all the people who aren't like these like big time titans of real estate, uh, all the moochers, all the people that um, are in the book, basically, except for like a half dozen characters so far. And it's just like, like there's so much anger. You can just tell like she's like seething as she's writing this book. Right. <laughs> okay. But then the other one is uh, it's a uh, uh, horniness. Oh, and she's extremely horny for like her like half dozen main characters. <laughs> and like all of the descriptions are all just about like power and like real, uh, real detailed descriptions of like their bodies and how they're standing and them noticing each other and getting turned on by just like the power <laughs> of their entrepreneurial spirit. And it's there's really no accident that like it's about trains and steel. Right. What you mean? Like chains, trains just like, you know, tunneling through mountains and, you know, steel just. I've seen the way way Aftab looks in those commercials that are airing about selling the railroad. I mean, something about railroads just get people a certain way. (laughs) It's the sexiest mode of transportation. Everybody knows that. So, like, if if, I, I think there's I think there's two kinds of bad writing. There's bad writing that's just. Um, awful in like every respect. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 got nothing to say. It's just you know, like an imitation of writing, and it's just like random. It doesn't go anywhere. Uh, the characters don't make any sense. Yada yada yada. There's like another type of bad writing where yeah, it's bad, but it's also just like fully confessional. On the author's standpoint, yes, did you like learn so much about this person's psychology? <laughs> and this is definitely in the latter camp. <laughs> um, and so, what I would close this with is, um, I had all my libertarian speculative fiction writer of choice um, has always been Robert Heinlein. Okay, yeah, um, who doesn't write with so much anger, but definitely writes horny. Yeah, I mean, have you seen the shower scene in Starship Troopers? So that's not, but the, the Star Troopers. I, I, I've read the book. It's, com- it's completely different. The book. You know, it's a really <laughs> the good book. It's almost like though. a parody of the book. I love, I love them both. Yeah. Um. But the tril- but the Heinlein trilogy of Stranger in a Strange Land. They're not. It's not really a trilogy, but I think it's like a spiritual trilogy. Uh. Stranger in a Strange Land, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, which I think is Elon Musk's favorite book. Um, it's about people who colonize the moon and they decide to try to get independence. I think you're and they right. decide to fling uh moon rocks at Earth. <laughs> um, Bold. And the third is um Time Enough for Love. Now I want I gotta say, if you don't like really get into Stranger in a Strange Land, do not read Time Enough for Love. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely not for everybody, but I found it to be a rewarding read. It was also very confessional, I think, but also separately a really good book. 
I mean, this is a good idea for some off-season content. Like we do soccer blog book club. I also wouldn't be opposed to book club. Like let's all just... yeah, should we do postcast discord book club? <laughs> <laughs> we can have meetings over zoom. Um... <laughs> we did that during the pandemic. We had a bunch of coworkers. We all picked like, we each took turns picking a book to read. So we did like the Maltese Falcon. We did Dune. We did like two or three other ones that I don't remember now at this point, but. Nice. Um, have you read Have you read The Dinner? Have not. So we years ago did a book club with friends and we read The Dinner. And it was a great book club book because the whole thing is it's like um, there's something kind of unspeakable. It's, it's about these two couples that have dinner. Their children were involved in something like unspeakable that they're only like hinting at, but it's what they're talking about the entire time they're at dinner. Mm. Right. And it's just about like, like tension elevates throughout the, throughout the book. And, um, one of our friends, as we're talking about it, just has like an outburst. And she was like, she was like, somebody just had to take action. (laughs) And I was like, yes, this is what you want, right? You want something where people are going to just like, you want something like provocative. Yeah. You know, where people are going to get like, get into, re- get really into, get have so, strong feelings over. Got it. The Twilight series then. Definitely for us. Yeah. <laughs> we want action. Uh, so that was in the 11, despite the uh, the brutal yep. takedown, I would say, in your early review. Uh, what what I, could I will possibly say, be It's out? a rich text. I could okay. talk about that book. I could talk about every page of that book for like an hour. Uh, what is out of my 18? Man, I... I, so I didn't prepare either of these, so I came up with them both on the spot. I like it. But you um, came up with one on the spot. We're still waiting to see if number two gets come up with on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I already did that new Exorcist movie, which is finally out, but I'm not going to redo it. Um, okay, this is... The, I, I literally just got a text. And I'm going to read it. And this is out of my 18. It's like the kid that forgets show and tell is happening and just goes out in the grass and pulls out a flower. Yeah. So, so, uh, out of my 18 is stuff like this. This is from my wife. (laughs) Think about if you die first, what kind of animal I should get to keep me company and report back. What the hell kind of conversations do you two have? I have no idea. Right, I don't that, know where that. this came from. Oh, read, that, could, read, that again. read that again. This. Read that again here. Think about if you die first, what kind of animal I should get to keep me company and report back. I know the answer to this. You have to get a turtle. So I had, I had a friend who okay. he decided after seeing the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie back in the 90s that he really wanted a pet turtle for his birthday. So his grandmother bought him a pet turtle that he named Howard. And after about five or six years with Howard, he decided he didn't want a turtle any longer. So it went to go live with his aunt. When he got his own house, when he turned like 30, whatever it was, his aunt drove up from Florida with Howard in a tank 
and dropped him back off saying, you can take care of your own turtle now. It's yours now that you have a house. Because turtles live to be like 70 or 80. It's a pet that Mm -hmm. will outlive you no matter what stage of your life you buy a turtle in. So if she truly wants to remember you for the rest of time and beyond, turtle is the way to go. You will never experience loss in your life again if the pet is a turtle. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Parrots as well live like an astonishingly long time. I've already taken a stand against exotics on this podcast. So I don't want to be a hypocrite. Um, Also, largely against reptiles, although I think we did say you can have one. We, well, we talked about reptile person is always a it's it's a red flag. Yeah, um, specifically snake person. Snake person is a little bit of a red flag. I was thinking pot belly pig. Pot belly pig is good. They're kind of dumb looking, and they just like run around. <laughs> they get pretty. They get pretty big though, don't they? They get huge, and it's a genuine concern <laughs> that like they step on. So this is this is great. So like a proper a proper hog has a nasty habit of stepping on your ankle obliterating your ankle just demolishing it you fall over they keep jumping on you they kill you they eat everything they authorities have no idea where you went <laughs> like this is, a, this is a known <laughs> thing like farmers will disappear think back think back to the opening scene of the wizard of oz and how the entire farm reacted to dorothy falling in the pig pen that was a genuine concern. Like that wasn't, is... this also, wasn't this also in the sequel to Silence of the Lambs? Wasn't this in Hannibal? Didn't he feed people to the pigs? The one dude? Uh, I always think of Snatch, the uh, the crime boss who who feeds the guys who owe money to his pig farm. That is That's a like thing a... that happens in Hannibal. Uh, Mason Verger mm. has like given pigs the taste for human flesh. Yeah. That's like a big supervillain move. That was also like Blofeld in James Bond would oh, feed yeah. people to piranhas. Like having animals that you feed people to is like a sure sign that you're probably thinking about taking the world over. Um, that In a, a, a Skyfall, uh, Javier Bardem gives that speech about like the rats. We yeah. like put like you like starve rats and then they'll like eat each other. And then there's one rat left and you release it back into the group of rats because it's, it's uh, acquired the taste for rat. And that's how you get rid of all the rats. There was also a plot point in too fast, too furious where they try, they put the rat on the guy's chest and they put the bucket and they heat the bucket up. So that the rat starts like eating the guy's intestines. That was in number two. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, goofy it one. Little, it got a little dark. The one without Vin Diesel. I've only seen the first one. Second oh. one's a great movie. The second, uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh, you get yourself a t- uh, case of beer and you take a drink. Everybody, somebody says the word bro in the movie. <laughs> you will be annihilated within an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one. Um, okay, we need what an a- animal, though. I mean, yeah. you can you pick cat or dog? That feels like a real boring answer, right? So I'm saying, definitely not yeah. cat. No, yeah. um, cat. Maybe doesn't... like a. It's got to be something that cuddles, though, right? You can't have like bird or reptile. It's got to be something that's like uh, ostensibly affectionate. A ferret or ferrets affectionate. <laughs> there was this whole thing in Russia that I read a book about where it was a dude that was running a multi-generation experiment to see how long it takes to domesticate a wild animal 
Oh yeah. And so he was working with foxes. Yeah. And had managed to successfully demonstrate how by just selectively breeding the ones that seemed cool with people that over I think like 20 generations of breeding that they had actually observed like differences in how they looked like their ears had started to droop um and that they now have and you can I think buy them now that they have domesticated foxes that some crazy Soviet scientist is making out in like the Siberia somewhere that's my answer okay a Russian domesticated a, fox a, a domesticated communist fox that's a great it so um, so I would say I, I want to I want to put a bow on this, but <laughs> um, I, I'll swap that that the question was in my eleven and Atlas shrugged is okay, okay. Not at the eighteen. <laughs> That's fair. That's very fair. <laughs> oh God! Uh, Don't think about what I'm going to die of. Mm, or what if? The animal that you pick kills you. Yeah, you have to adopt the animal that kills me. That's the answer. Yeah, unbeknownst to your wife, it was actually the murder the whole time. So it's going to be like a deer <laughs> that was wandering around on my cloth bike. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big, it's a big buck that heads right. to the windshield. Yeah, um, Chief, I'll give you another moment to uh, to, to collect your thoughts. No, I'm, I'll, I'm good now. I've, I've got it all figured out now. If you oh, want. do you? I, yeah. Then I will no. let you jump in here if you would like to give us your. In the 11 and out of your 18. Yeah. So in the 11 is tennis because apparently mm. we are keeping the Western and Southern open here in Cincinnati for another 25 years. Thanks to wow. some very generous uh, tax money that is being pumped into the Linder Tennis Center <laughs> that I'm sure some people that you can name from listening to this podcast had a hand in making sure happened. Um, the FBI. But, the FBI, clearly. <laughs> um, no, that's big news. That's like a really cool awesome. thing. And I thought for certain that was going to Charlotte. I've never been to the Western and Southern Open before. I, I've been to tennis matches before. And the best part about going to watch tennis is that you don't watch the actual match. You just watch the crowd and watch everybody's heads just go back and forth as the play is happening. And it is the funniest goddamn thing you will ever do at a sporting event. <laughs> Just everyone in unison head this way, this way, this way, this way. <laughs> I've never uh, I've never been either. In fact, I've never been to a uh, a competitive tennis match in my life. Uh, I got to I got to get on that, though. I think the Western Southern Open's a good. Um, a good, a good. Definitely a place, something you should go to, if not once a year, once every couple of years. Yeah. You know, all the all the big names come out and like the tennis fan is a very particular kind of person. <laughs> like they all have like like every single player there has like fans in the audience that are like shouting, you know, during during like the intervening periods, like shouting encouragement to like their first name. And it'd be like, Aww. like some guy with just some like Midwestern guy to be like, let's go, Donica, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's uh, a lot of FCC fans, like as our team's warming up, like from the Bailey, like. I feel like it's just like a lot of people wearing Ferrari T-shirts. I don't know what I base Ooh. that on, but I'll bet it's fun. I don't know. No, it's, it's super fun. 
It's also like one of those things, too, where it's you take it for granted because it's here every year where that's not normal that like a major tennis tournament happens within a 15, 20 minute drive of wherever you happen to be. That's like that doesn't happen in Columbus or Cleveland or Detroit or Pittsburgh or shit like that. Yeah, it's 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 way bigger in the world of tennis than like 90 some percent of people in the area realize. Yes, that is like however, whatever they think the tournament is. It's way, way, way bigger than that. <laughs> yeah, I was reading it's like the oldest continuously run tournament like in its original city or something like that in the US. I, I wish we had um I wish we had somebody on the podcast sometimes who was like a really big golf person because <laughs> they could maybe come up with a good analogy to compare like a golf tournament to this tennis tournament it's actually funny you were saying that because like i was thinking that part of what's holding it back is that it doesn't have a name like the masters or something like that where it's like oh it is the it. it's a cincinnati masters but no it's part of the tennis masters series it's not the masters yeah. like there's not like a masters series of golf there's just the masters like it needs to have something like that that is its name that like sets it apart from just being yeah so if if the the if the Grand Slam tournaments are like <laughs> Casino Royale, Goldfinger, From Russia with Love, and Doctor No, this one is like You Only Live Twice, Goldeneye, or um, uh, Die Another Day. No, that's a terrible no. movie. We that's don't talk about movie. that one. Okay, Goldeneye, no. or like Life is to Kill, or You Only Live Twice. <laughs> Moonraker. Like, Moonraker is also it's objectively absurd, but it's a great movie. Have we talked about that? Like how how annoying it is that because of the demise of cable television, that the 28 days of 007 no longer happens and you actually have to go and find some place to stream these movies versus just flipping the TV on and they're just on. I used to love that growing up. And like all the rights are split up, right? Like, oh, no, this is Thunderball. OK, that was a great movie, too. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, or uh, never say never again if you want the unauthorized remake of it. <laughs> I like it. Gotcha. Like kids these days will never know the glory of an entire month of every night there's a James Bond movie on. <laughs> and you being happy because it was either that or watching the same VHS tape over for the 14th time of some other movie. Man, I saw somebody mention that in like a an interview recently that like, oh, this is the movie I always watch when I'm flipping through channels. And I was just thinking like, I don't know when the last time I was flipping through channels and came across a movie like that is such a dead concept to me that somebody and it was like a younger person like had that moment for them. Like We talked about this one man. time with a bunch of friends of mine and I like did your hangover movie on a Sunday morning. Where yeah. like for me it was the hunt for red october it was always on some channel on like sunday mid afternoon yeah. during non football season where you're just nursing a bad one it's like well i'll throw this on because i've seen it a billion times <laughs> yeah i would just throw on like i would just throw on like a dvd like for a while it would be like you know one of the kevin smith movies or later it was like a tarantino movie after that it was like you know, well, I'll just 
throw on V for Vendetta again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, no, the, the, the best part was watching the movie that you already owned the DVD of and just being too lazy to get up and put the DVD in. Like I'm watching this movie with commercials and censored because yes. the act of getting up to my television where the DVD player was just seems like way too much effort from the, the state I'm in right now. Hunter October is such a good movie. Really is. <laughs> it, it's I really appreciate them not making us listen to Russian the whole movie. That like they do it for just that one scene and they yeah, zoom like, in on Sean so Connery. We, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's incredible. Like it's it's actually like a really well done moment where they start off speaking Russian, so they framed in our mind that they're speaking Russian. And we just understand that in the movie they're speaking Russian. This is Russian, yeah. And they just transition to English the rest of the movie. Right. Fantastic. Like, yeah, we all, they're all speaking Russian. We just hear uh, the Scottish accent of Sean Connery and Sam Neill's quasi mid-Atlantic dialect everywhere. <laughs> Sam Neill is uh, New Zealandish. Is he from New Zealand? Yeah. Oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah. good on him. Um, the other wild thing about that movie is that it's another movie that you wouldn't see made today because it is an all-male cast. There is not a there is one woman that is in the cast. It's uh, Alec Baldwin's wife. She Mary, appeared. Mary McGovern, right? No, Gates McFadden, Doctor Beverly Crusher. Gates McFadden, from, you're right. Fuck. And she's in the movie for like less than thirty seconds. And from that point on, <laughs> oh, everyone else. Now. <laughs> everyone else is a dude in this movie. Mary McGovern is the president's wife in um, Independence Day, right? Maybe or Air Force One. I don't know. They're all great movies, though, for completely different reasons. Um, so yeah, in, in the eleven is ten. <laughs> I love our I love our little tangents. <laughs> out of the eighteen, for me, then is politics. Donald, shit, I fucked this all up. Yeah, oh it's, a night, it's you're not having your best day. It's um, not my night. It's not my night. Um, well, you're still doing better than I am so far over the say. course of the two segments here, three segments. Uh, out of my eighteen is politicians. Uh, PG Sittenfeld sentenced to 16 months in prison today, which, as I noted on Twitter, means that 33% of the Cincinnati City Council that voted for the stadium or that the city council that uh, existed during the stadium vote because they didn't all yes. vote for the stadium. 33% of that city council, three out of the nine are have now been convicted federally for various bribery and other illicit activity charges. So. Yay, soccer. And also, how in the world did we not land that FIFA deal with this <laughs> with this level of, I'll say, moral grayness of our, pol our political class? Yeah, surely, surely some palms could have increased the proper way here. Um, am I crazy for thinking like 16 months doesn't feel worth it for all of this? That like, if that's the whole punishment for ripping off developers for years and everybody around you being flushed with cash and like i don't know if the public is supposed to be i don't know getting how many are right, legitimately how many days in prison do you think you could do depends on the prison do i get i don't yeah, i don't do think I that like there's any library? prison that, <laughs> i don't think there's any prison that's particularly better than another one i could do like norwegian prison no, I'm talking American prison. I'm talking. I'd sign up prison. for Norwegian prison nah, right the now. Way do, the way to do is either to commit commit crimes in Norway or commit like a war crime, and you get to go to the Hague. 
I mean, free trip to the Hague. That sounds kind of cool. <laughs> Come in Adia Den Haag. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just, this is a good point, right? It's like... Like prison. everyone always talks about like, oh, that seems like a really like prison sense. It's like, man, one day in prison sounds miserable. Right. Yeah. I think like people really don't realize miserable. how long. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but like if like a burglary could get you away for like five years, Two days. surely ripping off the public in a you know grand scheme that the federal government needed to get involved with is worth more than two years. I don't know. Well, First of all, I don't want to. I don't want to get really in a debate on. Well, whatever. Just say what I'm going to say. Um, first of all, like it's an incredibly long amount of time. Just because other people get sentenced for like way too long, okay, it's not fair. an excuse for like sentencing like other people for like as incredibly long. Just like we just over incarcerate. Fair. Two people go to prison and they go to prison for too long. Um. But uh. I'm still not convinced anything like PG specifically did was illegal from what was at least from what's reported. Um, I've seen like, like the governor of Virginia who got his conviction vacated. Like that guy was getting like personally hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, And this is like, Oh, like, I'm ex- I'm accepting donations to like my pack of like small amounts, but that's like, but that's you know, yeah, it's not like, like it's not like cash in the freezer like that right, one dude like, in Louisiana. Jeff Pastor was like bags of cash, yeah, like literally. I need to know if they had the dollar sign drawn on them though, like because <laughs> if you don't have the dollar sign drawn on the bag of cash, I just I'm not interested in the crime. Well, knowing like, Jeff Pastor, it would have been whatever the international symbol for gold standard is. So, Bitcoin. This entire thing was made up by the FBI. Right. They didn't go catch somebody who was like already doing something or in right. the act of doing something. They set up a scenario where they kept trying to prod and prod and prod. And finally catch somebody to say, like, technically the wrong thing or imply. Because I don't think they had it PG on tape saying. Give money and I'll vote. You this have way. to give money yeah. for my vote. Or like, I won't support your project if you don't give me money. That was all like inferred versus like others, like. Others, what was reported said, like much more direct things. Yeah. Um, but but regardless, like, and some of the stuff that came out about like the trips those FBI agents were taking, the amount of money that they were spent, they'd actually gotten in trouble for like <laughs> indulging themselves too much on these trips. So like, part of it also feels like they were like covering their own asses. They're like, well, we gotta just we gotta just indict everybody. PG then, just looked guilty though. Like there was a certain like. Well, that's the other thing. You take PG right, and you put him on trial, and. You ask a bunch of people from Warren County if they think Cincinnati City Council are prisoner are are are, are criminals who should go to prison. Right, right. Like that's basically <laughs> what you're doing. Like the facts don't matter. You're just saying like you're saying like, do you as a as a person who lives in Warren County or Claremont County think that the members of Cincinnati City Council should go to prison? That's what's happening. 
right? Whether he's guilty or not, that's what happened. Maybe our right. government and would work a little better if that happened more often, just with like elected officials. Like, hey, you think this guy should go to prison? I, I look, I'm, I'm all. I think every elected official should go to prison when they're done. <laughs> oh, now but who's like, over sentencing? But, I'm, but <laughs> not for like they could go to the nice Hague prison. But like, I'm not for like singling them out and like picking favorites. Like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna roll the dice and like this little sacrificial lamb gets to go to prison, and you know former mayors and stuff get to just yeah walk free. <laughs> um, because their aides say like, oh, well, I just got that money for myself. Yeah. Um, I fell on that sword. <laughs> my boss meant, didn't know uh... anything about it. <laughs> um, but, but this is also like every like terrorist thing you read about every like terrorist plot that's been foiled. Yeah. Is basically this kind of thing. They just find some mentally ill loner and they befriend him and then they get him to give him a hundred dollars to buy a gun. And boom, he's he's now in a terrorist conspiracy or like the guys who were doing that, um, that like plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan. There were like there were more FBI agents and informants on that group chat than actual criminals. <laughs> like, like it, was, it was like crazy. It's crazy. So which one, you, which one of you is the FBI informant doing a deep state cover on this podcast? I mean, odds are two of us. <laughs> Kevin, is there anything you'd like to admit about your affiliations to the Communist Party right now? I mean, without blowing anybody's cover, I'll say I'm the only one who's never received a paycheck from Uncle Sam, either the local, state, or national level. So, hey now, hey now, all money comes from Uncle Sam. Hey. It's just I, it's just who just how many people laundered it before it got to you. I had to make that point to a libertarian friend. They were complaining about taxes, of course. And I said, well, look, look what your dollar says. That's a U.S. Treasury note. That's their note. So, so you, you asked you originally the question, like, was it worth it? 16 months. Was it worth it to get a soccer stadium? Yeah, I'm OK with PG going to prison for 16 months <laughs> okay, so I can buy sure. soccer at TQL. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't care about. Any individual politician. I'd throw more in prison for a bigger stadium. <laughs> yeah. Um, can, we get, but, can we get Fort Washington way capped off if we throw one of the current council members in prison? How, how many people do we have to sacrifice to the FBI I'll to keep, start getting keep, some goddamn subway stations? I'll, I'll keep throwing them all in for mass transit. Let's go. Shit. I forgot. I, I went on that whole rant and I just I had forgotten the FBI was good now. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, They're the they heroes doing now. all the. They stopped doing all the pro stuff and they stopped, you know, they started off. finding boxes in the bathroom. So we're yeah. on their side now. Now that they're now that. Yeah. Now that they're finding boxes in Trump's bathrooms, the good guys um, <laughs> keep up. Come on. So um, the one the one thing that I am really interested in with this story is. In the in the sentencing argument, this is reported by Chris, Chris Wetterich, Wetterich, yeah. Wetterich in the in the business courier. Sure. Say Wetterich. It doesn't matter. Uh, he's not listening. No. Um, jabroni. He said, it's pronounced jabroni. So in the in the sentencing argument that the prosecution made, they brought in like a bunch of like other like stuff that was supposedly bad that he wasn't convicted on, which, you know, to my untrained eye, seems a little weird that you get to throw in a bunch of extra stuff that wasn't subject to the conviction. But whatever. I'm not a big fancy federal prosecutor. Um, the <laughs> this is all gonna be cut. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, um, so um but they said that one of the things that PG supposedly did was demand that FC Cincinnati pay to a would they say unidentified third party? Yeah, and then private I think third, in the third, next third, private uh, third party to, uh, they, to a private third party, eleven million dollars. Yeah, okay. And then PG's lawyer got up and and said, "Well, that's that's baloney. The private third party was the ballet." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know that there was a deal regarding the ballet building, which they moved so that FC Cincinnati could use that. Uh, land for development around the stadium. Yeah. And but my understanding is what was reported was like a million dollar payment was put in escrow for the ballet. Um uh, eleven million dollars is the first time I've I heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't it's not clear if that actually happened. Wouldn't be surprising um, given how nice the building is they built right there on 71. Yeah. Um but like I don't think it should be deemed criminal for a politician to say, you know, if you if I'm not going to support your development, if you don't reach a deal with like the stakeholders on like the surrounding property. I mean, one of the conditions of the deal was the community benefits agreement with the West End. Right. The West End Community Council sounds also like a private third party that got some money. Is that also criminal? Like, is that the, is that the position we're taking that all the anyway? The the funniest part of it is the ballet denied. The ballet has officially come out since then and denied ever asking PG to get them any money. FC Cincinnati declined to comment. <laughs> so, well, so did FC Cincinnati pay PG for this? Like, yeah, we need you to pay the ballet 11 million for this new building. And the ballet ends up with 1 million. And the then PG that, gets 10. And that, that 10 million, you know, there's fees and transaction expenses <laughs> and shipping and handling and whatnot. And, you oh, know, yeah, money goes like, missing all the time. Who's to say where that extra 10 million went? Right. Or like Hunter Biden would be like, I get my 2 million and then 2 million for the big guy. And it's the big guy is just Hunter Biden's nickname for himself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of, if not the largest donors to the ballet is a gentleman by the name of Carl Linder. So Lock I don't know. I don't know who was robbing who or extorting who here, but it really does feel like Carl Linder's left hand was maybe asking Carl Linder's right hand for some extra money. Yeah. <laughs> they needed $13 million in bribe money, and that went directly to Brenner's agent. And that's it. <laughs> if the missing money is Brenner, boy, this is going to get a lot more fun. <laughs> it's just wheels and lines, and we're going to need we're going to need bunk to come down from the uh, the Baltimore homicide to connect the dots on this it's, one. It's McNulty. why they wouldn't take. Uh, it's why they wouldn't take Nottingham Forest's initial offer. They needed to get that ballet money back. <laughs> they needed they needed some uh, some time for some checks to clear it's before like, they had the cash. Look, look, we oh, want to sell man. you, but the ballet comes first, okay? <laughs> oh god. Anyway, free PG. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the post officially stands. <laughs> Uh, This has always been a pro PG podcast, (laughs) folks.
<laughs> Free my homie Peach. <laughs> Free Paul George. <laughs> Wait, aren't his initial aren't, isn't, isn't his name also Paul George? He's named after his father. So he's named after the basketball player Paul George. Paul George, yeah. Playoff <laughs> P. Everybody right, loves anyway, Playoff I gotta, P. I gotta, I gotta get off this. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin, well, what's in what's in your eleven? Jesus, uh, in my eleven. The nerdiest shit of all time. Uh, I got the new iPhone. I got the I, I, iPhone 15 Pro. And um, boy, this action button is uh, fucking incredible. Uh, because, Chief, I don't know if you've experimented at all with the Shortcuts app on your phone. Uh, but it lets you do some pretty rudimentary uh, scripting for your phone. So if like you enter a certain location, you can set your phone to start doing things. Or if you go do this thing. Well, I have uh, action buttons set up that now does like all of the things I do with my phone automatically. And depending on where I am and what time of day I'm in or uh, what what like position my phone is in, I can get my phone to do all sorts of cool shit now. And I have spent so much time like playing around with this. It is great. But now like I get in my car, my phone connects to my car and I just push this button. It asks me like, hey, we're listening to music. Are there kids in the car? And then it just pulls up a playlist that I want, like, ready to go. I just answer a couple of questions with some prompts, and we're off. And it is the closest I have felt to, like, feeling like Iron Man with my phone right now. It's pretty <laughs> Just great. asking Jarvis to do things for you? So, literally, I have a shortcut. Uh, it's been a little finicky this afternoon. I think I messed something up. Um, where I have chat GPT linked to Siri, but it has the prompt Jarvis. So I can say, hey, Jarvis, and I'm asking chat GPT questions, and it spits me back uh, answers in Siri's voice. Like I said, I feel like Iron Man right now. So, Man, <laughs> I, I just I just have mine silence the phone like a complete peasant. Wow, you are missing so much. <laughs> Which the great joke of it being I never unsilence my phone. So the button literally exists. It's a do nothing button. That's why I really wanted to play around with it was like, I never turned my phone off of silence. I have every notification turned off on my phone and I mm. highly recommend everybody else do the same. And, um, yeah, as I was scrolling through like what the options were and one of the options was to run a shortcut and I fell down the longest nerdiest rabbit hole with that. So I know what I'm doing for the rest of the evening. Oh, you besides walk buying, in besides buying tickets to a movie. <laughs> <laughs> you designate like where your office is. And I have my phone set up to like it changes its background when I, I end up at work. And I have a custom home screen that has all the apps I use when I'm at work, pull up and it's it's great. It's just grand. Um out of my 18 Sick is flex on buying the new iPhone, by the way. Oh man. This empanada money is great. <laughs> I did have to make a deal with the genius at the Apple bar to take uh, empanada's gift cards, though. That was that was a little tricky, but we figured it out. Um, out of the 18 is Jeff Weiler Kia and maybe just Kia in general here. I'll have to see how far I get with this. Um, for the last two years, the car that I bought uh, has continued to give me a coolant error, or coolant error uh, message every time I 
open up my car, turn on the car. It is incredibly annoying. Kia knew that it was a, uh, a defect that they needed to flush the coolant lines with and replace it. Jeff Weiler, Kia did this. They gave us back our car, said everything was great. Uh, immediately turn on the car. And I got the error message again. And they turn around and tell me that this is in fact because I don't have the right coolant cap, that they've had to order out the coolant cap for my car. And so I get a call from Jeff Weiler, Kia. I'm thinking, great, they finally got my part. They told me I've got my part coming in to uh, to the shop that I just need to show up and get this part installed on my car and I will be done with this two year saga of dealing with this stupid error message. And I asked them, oh, yeah, what is the part, by the way? I just want to make sure I get the right one. And it was for stickers for my owner's manual that that was the missing <laughs> part that I had a uh, an issue with the owner's manual of my car. And they did. They had no idea that they needed a coolant cap. And this has been going on for three weeks now. They call me. They tell me they got the part. I ask them, what is the part? Part that you have. Oh, it's the stickers for your owner manual. <sighs> Any news on the coolant camp? Oh, we don't know anything about a coolant camp. We'll give you a call back in a week and we so do, do it have, all over again. Do you have one of the Kias that you can start with a USB drive? That would be the... No, thank God. So it is a slightly newer version than the uh, the TikTok uh, hackable version of the Kia or Hyundai. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I, I know several people that have had their Kias either stolen or broken into with someone Man. hoping that it was a stealable version of the Kia with one person suggesting that he's about to start taping a sign on the inside saying this <laughs> Kia is this model year. You cannot steal it with the USB cord. Please don't break in. You will not be able to do this. Oh, man. It's like the uh, the folks in San Francisco that just leave all of their doors open so that thieves thieves can't smash the windows of their car. <laughs> they can just they let them crawl around and right, find just, whatever they just want. Just give it a shot. Yeah. No, I I, I am. Very, I was looking at buying a Kia. And just for that reason alone, uh, I'm very happy that we moved in a different direction than that. Yeah, it's probably smart. I did have my car broken into, this was a much crappier car, um, a couple of years ago, and I have no idea what this person was looking for, because I had left my work laptop in the passenger seat, which is not something I normally do. Uh, the change cup was overflowing with quarters at that point, and I had uh, four six-packs of Rheingeist Truth in the trunk that they popped the trunk for, and none of this was stolen. <laughs> So I don't know what on earth this very specific thief was looking for. And none of this was appealing. The, the best story I've ever heard about getting your car broken into this day still is from my sister who had parked her car in a neighborhood adjacent to downtown Cincinnati. And when she arrived back at her car, her car had clearly been broken into but in the back seat was a Hamilton County Sheriff's deputy's hat. Oh, no. And it was just in there. No one could identify where it had come from. Oh, no one could no. identify who the hat belonged to. Uh, it's still it's still in her office. She kept it as a souvenir because no one could figure out whose it was. Nothing was taken from the car. It was just stuff that had been rummaged through and a sheriff's deputy hat was in the back. The theory, the prevailing theory among everyone that we know is that this person had also broken into a car that had the hat and had moved the hat along with other things and was going from car to car and dumping things as they 
they would take one thing, dump another thing as they went along. Oh, that's clever. That's but, a very clever thief. <laughs> but either way, in her office, there's a conversation piece that is a cop hat. So how'd you come across that? Well, fun story. <laughs> <laughs> there's no tag, no ID, no barcode. Wow. No. You'd think the police would want to document all of the articles of the uniform. The or would want the hat back. Who showed up at work without a hat the next day? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a tough explaining at roll call. It's like, where's your lid, Sergeant? <laughs> so it was like the, the uniform cap, not like a, I don't know, like no, a like ball actual, cap of no, some like kind. like the actual like yeah. uniform hat, yeah. Wow. Damn. So, That's there you great. Go. I do love the idea of robbing somebody and then scattering their possessions across all of your other future robberies. <laughs> just run, run them in circles trying to figure that one or out. Or just go from car to car and just exchange things with people like it's a swap meet. And then everybody gets like a fun treat when they come back to their car. <laughs> well, not that I uh, it was not this particular incident, but what little interaction I've had with uh, car break ins uh, feels like you could just get away for the rest of your life. Just stealing shit out of cars. It doesn't feel like a thing that's at the top of anybody's priority list to uh, prevent or or anything. So, yeah, you're not going to get 16 months like PG if you go through cars. <laughs> We save that for serious crimes like right. miswording an email asking for a political donation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. How much well, this is getting cut tonight, Kevin? Anybody have thoughts on Gaza? <laughs> uh, fuck Chief. Columbus. We're out of here. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content, as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, and as well, you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, and you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button, please like us, review us, subscribe to us, wherever you are getting your podcasts, that is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.